0: Welcome to Chapel of the Lake in Lake St. Louis, Missouri. The Chapel family is a multi-generational community of believers who gather weekly to worship and explore God's Word as we grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us now as Pastor Keith Spa opens the scriptures. Well, good morning, family. Good to have you all here. Good to be with you. I encourage you to take your Bibles, if you would, and open up to the book of James. We began a series here in this wonderful little book a couple of weeks ago, and um, we called it Real Faith Meets Real Life, because all through this little book, James challenges us to put our faith into practice, to live as followers of Jesus Christ in the the nitty-gritties in the dailies of life. Today we're in chapter 1. We come to verses 22 to 27. And it brings us to what I think is the core. The very heart of this little book of James. Here James hits a problem that is unfortunately quite common among us good, faithful church-going, Bible-believing people who name the name of Jesus as our Savior. He says, verse 22, but be doers of the word. There's the, the main principle of this passage and really I think what is the main principle of this whole book Real faith is active. It is not passive. We live in a culture of spectators. We're a nation of spectators. Most of us will spend hours every week in stadiums and in theaters and in front of the TV and in front of our computer and on our tablets and on our phones, watching other people live. We watch lots of sports. We watch football. We watch baseball. We watch tennis. We watch golf. We watch name your sport. We watch lots of it. And as we watch, we cheer and we moan and groan. And we will complain and we'll critique and we'll say how much better we could do it if we were coaching this game or playing this position or whatever. And all that, in all that, there's a few people who are playing the game while the rest of us are sitting in our lounge chair, chowing down on nachos, and we desperately need Exercise. Besides watching sports, we watch people build houses. We watch people remodel houses. We watch people search for houses to buy. We watch people create things as they paint, as they sculpt, as they forge, as they build. We watch people cook. We watch people travel. We watch people lose weight. And as I thought through the list of all the things we watch, with most of us, there's a whole lot of those things that we probably need to be doing. But so often we just watch other people do them instead of living life ourselves. Sadly, that tendency tends to infiltrate the church, tends to infiltrate our spiritual lives and every Sunday morning in churches like this all over the world people come into church with a spectator mindset they come to be the audience and to watch as the pastor and the worship leader and the musicians and other leaders get up and perform for us the audience But how wrong that is. Now it's true that in this church, and again in most churches, there are things that that go on here that are for the benefit of all of us as the body of Christ. We are to be encouraged. We are to be challenged. There are things for our benefit. But this is called a worship service because the focus is supposed to be Not you, God. The audience for this service is not supposed to be you. The audience for this service is God. And the performers here in this is not me and not the worship leaders. It is you who are to be performing, all of us performing our acts of worship. The leaders here, their, their job is to not be the show But their job is to enable and equip and assist all of the rest of us in worship. The reality is, God is the audience. We are all on stage when we come this morning. But while this passage kind of touches that, when it says, be doers of the word, that really isn't the focus. Because, you see, worship really is so much more than a worship service. What is supposed to be worship in your life and mine, really this service here is only to be a little small fraction of that. Worship in the Bible is, you see, not a service in terms of an hour we spend on a Sunday, but it is a mindset. It is a heart condition and it is a life condition living. I don't know if you're aware of this. In the Old Testament, the word that is most often translated as worship literally means to bow down. It means to prostrate oneself on the ground and to put one's head and neck like that. You know the reason what that means? When one does that, you do that before a king, you do that before a sovereign, you do that before someone whom you are saying, you are greater than I am, you are more worthy than I am, and I'm putting myself at your disposal, literally by putting my neck here, I am defenseless, and if you want to take my head off, you have the ability to do that. He's putting oneself totally vulnerable and saying, I am at your service. That is worship. It is saying, God... I am at your service, which is what Romans chapter 12 verse 1 means when it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of the mercies of God, that you present yourselves to God as living sacrifices. Saying, God, I am yours. My life is yours. Whatever you want, I am here to do it. And if you want to take my life, take my life. Because my life is yours a living sacrifice and he goes on to say which is your spiritual service of worship it's literally a definition of what worship is and so worship isn't shouldn't be just what happens here but it should be what happens outside of here and that is James focus here when he says be doers of the word It is that we are to put ourselves at God's disposal and say, we are yours and we want to do whatever it is you want. It's not about worshiping God in here, but how we worship God out there. And what James is reminding us very strongly of in this passage is that putting God's word into practice, being doers of the word, isn't just for pastors. Pastors. Or for missionaries. Or for worship leaders. Or for elders. Or for deacons. Or for Sunday school teachers. It is for every believer in Jesus Christ. Be doers of the word. Real faith is active. Not passive. We are those who have faith in Jesus Christ. It calls us to action. We go on in verse 22 again. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. We are to be doers of the word, but there's a problem. Listening to the word of God is a good thing. The problem here is not listening to the word of God. I encourage all of us to listen to God's word as much as we can, to input it into our life as much as we can. The problem isn't listening to God's word or hearing God's word, it's when we stop there and we become, as our text says, hearers only. It's listening without doing. Most colleges, many of us have spent a little time in college, most colleges will very often have an opportunity to audit a class. To audit a class, you don't have to pay usually the $18,000 per hour or whatever it costs now to take a college course. You pay either nothing or a small fee and you can audit the class. You can means you can go to class and sit in and listen to the class. You can attend class and take advantage of learning all that is being said, hearing all that's being said. When you audit a class, there is no responsibility and no accountability to be there every week. There is no accountability and no responsibility to do the assignments, to do the reading, to study, to learn the material. There's no, there's no responsibility to take the quizzes, there's no accountability to take the tests, and there's no final exam at the end. And the problem with many of us is that we get the mindset from time to time that we can audit the Christian life, that we can audit the Word of God. And we miss the reality that God, on a daily basis, gives us assignments. As we hear the Word of God, there is always an assignment to put it into practice. And God gives us opportunities every day to to apply it. And he sometimes puts little quizzes, pop quizzes and tests into our life. And there will be a final exam. The Apostle Paul writes to the believers in the city of Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, "...for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ." so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the flesh, whether good or evil. The Apostle Paul is writing to Corinthians. He's not speaking here to the Corinthians, and he's writing to the Corinthians believers, to the folks in the church, to those who are saved. And this judgment here that he's referring to is not the great white throne judgment that's there in Revelation chapter 20, where it is a judgment of People stand before God and give account, and those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life are cast into the lake of fire. That is an awesome judgment. But that judgment is about whether someone is going to heaven or hell. This is a judgment, the Bible says, of believers, of those who are Christians who are not destined for hell. We are not destined for destruction. But there is an accounting before Jesus Christ not about where we spend eternity but it is about reward whether we receive reward or lose reward is an accounting for what we have done with the word of god and with the resources and opportunities that god has put before us it matters whether we listen or follow directions we do not audit the christian life that is not an option He says, those who are hearers only are self-deceived. You know, it's a bad thing to be deceived. It's even worse when we deceive ourselves. But James says we do this if we continually take in God's Word, but we never actually complete the listening process by applying it to our lives. We deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves because we think we're doing just fine. I mean, I go to church every week. I attend a Bible study. I even read the Bible. And we think I'm just doing just fine. We pat ourselves on the back. He says, But you don't do it. (laughs) It's like signing up for Jenny Craig or Weight Watchers or some other weight loss plan there's an entrance fee, you know, if you sign up and you got to pay money. You do that and then you buy all the stuff they tell you to buy. you got to buy this and that and this food and these materials. You buy all the stuff and you, you're sitting there in your house and all the stuff is surrounding you. But you don't actually eat the food, you don't actually work the plan, you don't actually do the stuff. But you pat yourself on the back saying, oh, I'm hard at work losing weight. But that's what we do when we come on Sundays and we come to Bible studies during the week and we open up the Word of God and we read the Word of God and we hear what He has to say and we walk away and don't put it into practice. We deceive ourselves and he says it is foolishness. He uses a silly analogy to illustrate the absurdity of listening to and yet ignoring God's Word. Verse 23, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. As I was reading this this week, I was reminded what marvelous and useful things mirrors are. Something we kind of take for granted because they're cheap and plentiful and we have lots of them. But mirrors show us what we can't see. I mean God in in his design put our eyes in places where they are very useful and they're perfect in his design but there are things we can't see with our eyes here. Like I cannot see if my hair is a mess. I can't tell if I have some mark on my face. You know one of the Little ladies from the first service who kissed me on the forehead or something—you know, there's lipstick there. I can't tell that unless I look in a mirror. I can't—I can't can't tell what my backside looks like without a mirror. I can't see the whole picture of what does this all look like without a mirror. Aren't they wonderful things? We probably used every one of us probably used a mirror half a dozen times or maybe ten times that already today. The listener without doing is like a person who dutifully and carefully looks in the mirror to see what needs fixing. Oh, my pants need, oh, they need pressing. My, my uh, Oh, I didn't notice that spot on my shirt. Oh, I didn't see that my hair needs fixing. Who looks at all that and then walks away and does nothing. It says he forgets what he saw. Now, I identify with being forgetful. I, in this stage of my life, am frequently walking into rooms, and I cannot remember why. And most of you know, I cannot remember names half the time. doesn't matter if I just met you last week, or if I've known you for 25 years, I'll sit there and go, (sighs) just hope you don't ask me what your name is, you know, I'll just, well, I'm sorry, I struggle with that. I do love you. I really do. I just don't know your name. (laughs) At this moment, as soon as you walk away, it'll come to me. (laughs) And then I drive down the street, and I can't remember if I put the garage door down. You have to turn around and drive back. So I got an app for that. (laughs) How foolish it is. To look in a mirror, and notice things that need attention, only to walk away and ignore what we see. How much more foolish. See, it's not just that we're forgetful, it's maybe that we're ignorant, we deliberately ignore, we're distracted. You know what I find interesting is that he never says why people walk away from the mirror and don't do what it says, he never says why we're only listeners and not doers because it doesn't matter the reason, the result is the same. It's absurd and foolish, though knowingly, to look into the mirror of the Word of God as someone who claims that Jesus Christ is God, and He is Savior, and I trust Him, and I follow Him. How absurdly foolish to then hear what he has to say and walk away and do nothing about it. But the one who looks into the perfect law, verse 25, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer he acts, he will be blessed in his doing. We are to be doers of the word. That's the principle, the command of this passage The problem is that sometimes we are hearers only. I want us to note something about the Word of God. A couple of things, actually three things here about the Word of God. He says, it is law. See, sometimes we tend to read the the Word and we tend to think that God has given me a lot of very nice suggestions. God has put a lot of nice advice in His Word. God, in His kindness, looked down from heaven and said, "Hey, my children, let me just give you a little a little helpful hints for life how 's that? This is law. we read earlier from Psalm one hundred and nineteen, which describes the Word of God in, in so many ways, and our response to it." And its value and its glory. And he uses all kinds of words. And words he uses in Psalm 119 is like commandments, precepts, law. Why is that? Because it's God who is speaking. God the supreme ruler of all the universe. God the creator of all things. God the sustainer of all things. God the judge of all. When he speaks, it is not nice thoughts, nice suggestions. It is law. It's commandments. Not only is it law, it is perfect law. It says, The one who looks into the perfect law in New Testament times, you know, we take it for granted our modern mirrors, glass mirrors with a highly reflective metal backing. I don't know what that metal is, but it gives just almost a flawless, if not flawless, reflection. It wasn't that way. You look at ancient mirrors and they, had, they took metal and polished it as best they could. And over time it would tarnish and they'd have to polish and, and keep working it. And depending on how much money you had, depending on what you could afford for a mirror, and ordinary folks couldn't afford very fine metal for mirrors, and certainly not anything very big. So you have a small little thing, and it's maybe if you're, it's brass or copper or something, and it's polished, and it's, you know, you look at it real hard, and in good light, and you can get kind of an idea of what you look like. If you had silver, woo expensive and but even the best they had flaws the mirror of god's word is flawless it is a flawless reflection of accurate picture perfectly accurate flawless truth that reveals exactly who we are what we are what we need it's perfect The Word of God is law. It's perfect. It's also, he says, the law of liberty. I like the way the New International Version translates it the law that gives freedom. We struggle with that concept, though. We read the Bible, we read this, we say God commands something, and we go, "Mm, I'm not sure, God. I don't think I like that idea. God says, don't do this. And we go, (laughs) we'll stick our little foot over the line, you know, like little kids. You know, God says, don't cross that line. God says, do this. We go, no, I don't want to do that. We struggle with our attitude towards God's commands. Kind of like my puppy does. She's a year old now. We got her a year ago. It's hard to be in that long. She's still a puppy. (sighs) She struggles with her leash. Piper, that's her name, she is super fast. And if she takes off, she is uncatchable. She, doesn't, she can't be caught unless she wants to be caught. And if she sees a rabbit, it's game on. Just saying. Piper is ignorant of most danger. She's just the happiest thing. Life is good. A rabbit! Is. She's ignorant of danger and she will run anywhere chasing that rabbit, including right out of the busy street by our house, and she will become a pancake. So we usually keep Piper on a leash. And when our local rabbit, actually one of any of the dozens of local rabbits that seem to like our house, uh, when our local rabbit Pops out, Piper is, and she is back on her hind legs trying so hard with everything she has to get that rabbit and that leash just keeps holding her back and she hates the leash because I want that rabbit. That rabbit is going to be so fun. If I can just catch the rabbit. What she doesn't understand is the leash is a good thing. The leash keeps her alive. It's a good thing. He protects her from danger. You know, another amazing thing about this dog is that despite the fact that she hates the leash when it keeps her from the rabbit, whenever I walk over, we're there in the kitchen and I walk over to the little hallway and and I go to get the leash, she comes running and she jumps up and down and she's so excited, the leash, the leash. Why does she love the leash? Because when I get the leash, it means that we're going to go for a walk. When I get the leash, it means we're going to go get on the boat. Yeah. There you go. Or when I get the leash, it means we're going to go to Lowe's, the best place in the world. I like Lowe's. She likes Lowe's. It's a win-win. (laughs) You see, the leash is her ticket to safely go places To enjoy things that she enjoys and to explore and experience new things. Brothers and sisters, do you get the point? So it is with God's Word. God's Word does indeed constrain us and restrain us and restrict us at times. But it does so, God does so for our good. For our protection because we are immature even if we think we're old. We are ignorant even if we think we're smart. And God is a loving dad. His law is for our protection. But more than that, his law sets us free when we follow it. It sets us free to live safely and productively and fully. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. And Jesus said, you will know the truth, John 8. You'll know the truth, and the truth will what? Restrict you? The truth will set you free. His word is the perfect word. It's the law that gives freedom. See, we need a change in attitude. If we're going to be doers of the word, we need to have a right understanding of the word of God. It's his law. It's perfect. And it's the law that gives freedom. He goes on, still in verse 25. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer, who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in in his doing. There is a promise here for the doer. Notice that this person who is a doer, there's four phrases used to describe the proper response to the word of God. It says he's a person who looks into the perfect law. In the Greek, that word that's there translated means to look intently. It's to look carefully. It's taking, it's with effort and with intentionality. It's paying attention to it. And he says he perseveres, he keeps at it, he follows through, he doesn't quit. You see the reality, brothers and sisters. I get this. Do any of you all ever struggle with reading God's word? Do you sometimes find it hard to do. Not going to raise our hands. And <laughs> yeah, I do. All of us do. Even your pastor does. Okay, I'll admit it today. Did you hear that online? Even your pastor does. It's hard. Sometimes it's difficult to understand things. Sometimes we're just distracted with other things. And we've forgotten that it's the law that gives liberty. We're not very motivated. But he says, the, this person looks intently. He chooses to go and to look carefully. He chooses to dig. He chooses to persevere when it's not easy, when it's hard. I'm going to I'm going to dig. Because, by the way, the more we learn, the sweeter it becomes. The more we learn and apply it, the sweeter this becomes. He says he's not forgetful, doesn't forget about it, thinks about it instead. He meditates on it, makes plans to then put it into practice. He's a doer. There's action, not just words. That's the right response to the Word of God rather than being a forgetful hearer. Look into it carefully. Persevere. Don't be forgetful. Put it into practice. And he says, this person will be blessed. He's blessed. He'll be blessed, the NIV says, in all that he does. You know, there are few, if any, passages in the Bible that say you'll be blessed simply to hear. The word of God. But there are bunches that say you're blessed if you hear and do. That's what this says. Joshua chapter 1, eight. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to everything that is written in it. And then you will be prosperous and successful, God told Joshua. When you say, well, that was just a promise for Joshua, yes, it was. But you can just go over to uh, Psalm chapter 1 and you read that, and it says, The one who meditates on God's word and who puts it into practice, he's like a tree planted by rivers of water, whose leaf does not wither. It says, Whatever he does prospers. It's not saying that we get fancy cars and big houses and big bank accounts. It says, We prosper in what matters. We prosper in a rich life. We prosper in, in things of eternal value. Luke chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. There's blessing when we take the word of God and we put it into practice. Scripture is full of those blessings that we receive. It's saying that we are blessed when we, when we do the word of God. Lastly, as I wrap it up and as James wraps up this passage, we might wonder, what does it look like? If instead of just being a person who comes to church and listens to the Word of God and then goes out and lives like like I was before I came in, if instead of doing that I actually take it and put it into practice, what does it look like? And James gives us some examples Three examples, to be correct. He gives us the pattern of a doer. What does a doer look like? Three real-life examples that we can all identify with. One negative example and two positive ones. Verse 26, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless a person who takes the Word of God and puts it into practice instead of just listening to it is a person who will have a controlled tongue. Our tongue is a powerful indicator of what's going on inside of us. James, by the way, in a few weeks will be in James chapter 3. He devotes a whole chapter to this and so we're going to spend a whole week on this very subject because it's so important. I read some time ago, that on average, you and I speak about 18,000 words per day. It means some of us don't speak nearly that much, which means some of you speak a lot more, but that's another thing. But let's just say we all speak 18,000 words a day. In the course of a year, 365 days, that's over 6.5 million words. It's a lot of words. Jesus says with all those words, sooner or later, what's inside comes out. Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Then a few verses later, Jesus says, by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. The person who reads the Word of God, who looks in the mirror of the Word of God, understands that our words are a reflection of what's inside, and that our words matter. Jesus says, the person who says, you fool to someone has committed murder in their heart. Our words matter. And so the person who listens to God's words says, you know what, my words matter, and I need to control this thing. And so if we listen to God's word, but we cuss out the driver in that other car tomorrow morning. Or tomorrow afternoon, we gossip about so-and-so who's three pews back from you. Or tomorrow night, when you get home from work, you lie to your neighbor. Or tomorrow night, you belittle your children. Or you rage in anger at your spouse. Or you chew out the sales clerk when you make your nightly trip to Walmart. Or you talk crudely with your coworker on Tuesday morning. James says, don't go patting yourself on the back that you're doing okay as a Christian. He says, there's something wrong when we hear what God says about all of those things and it doesn't change what we do. You are not a doer, but a hearer only. Verse 27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. If we listen to the word of God and we put it into practice in our life, we will be people of compassion. I like the way the NIV says, it says, look after the orphans and widows in their distress. In other words, what it means is care for them, attend to them. Widows and orphans literally means widows and orphans, but it also, I think, means more than that. I grew up in Texas, that's no secret. I wear that proudly. We did talk differently than you all do up here. Among the things that I noticed immediately when I moved up here is I would go in into someone's home, and uh, they would say, Do you want a Coke? And I would say, Yes, and they would give me a Coke because they didn't ask the next question. In Texas, there's a question that always follows that What kind would you like? And I say, I would like a Dr. Pepper, thank you. You see, Coke is the generic for all soda in Texas. We don't say soda, that's wimpy. I now say that. I have become corrupted by like you. When you say orphans and widows, it's referring to all those who are disadvantaged, helpless, needy, vulnerable. James says, if we can listen to the word of God, but we have no concern for those who are hurting, those who are needy, Those who are alone, who are mistreated, those who are vulnerable. We are not a doer, but a hearer only. One more phrase there in verse 27. And to keep oneself unstained from the world. It's no secret that we live in a corrupt, polluted world. A fallen, broken place that is filled with wickedness. God calls us, we read in First Peter 1, I think last week, he calls us to live holy lives. As he who called you is holy, so you are to be holy in all you do, Peter wrote. Paul wrote the Romans, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Just after he says, be living sacrifices, he says, do not be conformed to this world or to the pattern of this world. I like that translation. He says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, we're not to be tainted. We're not to be, we're not to be stained by the world so we become like them. We're to be different. We are to be holy. And so if we listen to God's word, but we have no concern about sin in our life, if we listen to God's word, but we have, we have no concern that we have the same values as our unsaved neighbors, We chase after the same things. If we listen to the word of God, but we have no problem loving the same things that the ungodly world around us loves. If we listen to the word of God, but we have no problem laughing at the same things that the world laughs at. We're not a doer of God's word, but a hearer only. Real faith meets real world, and we have to be different. That's what he's saying. Wesley Sickle invited his friend Robert Cupford to fly with him to Muncie, Indiana, to go grab a burger for lunch. On the trip back home to Indianapolis, 52-year-old Wesley Sickle collapsed and died of heart failure, 81-year-old Robert Cupford-Smith had never flown a plane. But as the Cessna 172 began to nose toward the ground, he realized it was a good time to learn. He grabbed the controls and got on the plane's radio and pled for help. If anybody can hear me. (laughs) He explained his situation. There were two pilots who were on radio's who heard his pleas and they began giving this 81-year-old, never flown a plane before, a stream of instructions. How to climb, how to steer, most importantly, how we're going to land this thing. As Mr. Kupfer Schmidt approached the airport, emergency vehicles had already gathered ready for disaster. Witnesses say that as the the plane came down, its nose nudged the center line and bounced a few times. Then the tail of the plane hit the ground. And then the plane came to rest in a patch of soggy grass just off the runway. Mr. Cufford Smith landed safely because he listened to and followed every instruction as if his life depended upon it because it did. That is what James is calling for us to understand. We live in a broken, fallen world filled with dangers and lies And misinformation and corruption. We've never lived this life before. (laughs) We get one shot. The only way that we will navigate through it and land safely is to listen carefully and obey everything that the Creator God tells us. Real faith understands that. And so real faith is a doer, not just a listener. Let's pray. Father, we needed this. We needed to hear it because the reality is every single one of us in this room, every single one who's watching this online, we struggle at times with being listeners instead of doers. We listen because... And don't do because maybe we're distracted or maybe we're rebellious. We think maybe we have a better plan, a better idea. For some reason, we don't trust that you really have our best at heart. Or we don't trust that you really are in control or whatever. Father God, what foolish things. Every one of us, if we're honest, we understand our weakness. We understand how much we don't know, we understand how foolish we are. We understand how needy we are. How foolish it is that we hear your word and just walk away. Father, help us this week to be people who hear your word and put it into practice, that it may show up in everything we do, everything we even think in this week ahead for our good and for your glory. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless you as you grow in your walk with him this week.